Are you a business owner worried about the safety of your sensitive data? Look no further than Midwest Data Depot, your local secure offsite backup storage solution. Visit MidwestDataDepot.com. Good morning, everyone. I'm Darren Pritchett, and welcome to the latest edition of the Corona Premier Golf Show on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We have a live stream available right now at WSBTradio.com. And with our free WSBT radio app, you can acquire the app right now at the iTunes or Google Play stores. Just search WSBT radio. And with the app, you can listen to our programming live. Our podcasts are available on demand. Well, my name is Darren Pritchett. Hope your weekend's off to a great start. Hopefully, you're going to have the chance to play some golf this weekend. We had a warm week with heat indexes well into the 100s, and it looks like we're going to be warm, but not that warm this weekend. And we may heat up once again next week, but hopefully you have a chance to get out and play a little golf. I work at Blackthorn Golf Club on the side, besides working, of course, at WSBT Radio. And let me say this, Blackthorn is an absolutely glorious shape the greens are rolling so smooth and they're moving pretty quick in some spots even though it's not like what you're going to see at Brookline this weekend in the U.S. Open but everybody loves to put on greens where they aren't bumpy you get a smooth roll that is the case and that's the norm out at Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend so hopefully you have a chance to spend a little time at Blackthorn this weekend or sometime soon. Well, speaking of Brookline, man, do I love the country club in Brookline, Massachusetts. It is hosting the United States Open Golf Championship this weekend, and this is a U.S. Open test. Boy, there was a time where John Foster and Tim Firestone, the co-host of this program, probably got fed up with me as I complained for several years about the USGA going away from traditional U.S. Open layouts and going to some places that just didn't have the feel of the U.S. Open. Whistling Straits up in Minnesota was one of those facilities. Great golf course, but I like it for the PGA Championship, but not the U.S. Open. I love the old-school architecture, and this is a prime example. I like the Colonials, those type of places that the U.S. Open has been to. And the reason why I really like this layout at Brookline, number one, it's just one of those places where they didn't move a lot of dirt way back in the day when this golf course was created. There are blind shots that the players have to contend with. I look at the first tee. NBC has a shot of the first tee from well back and you're pretty high up in the air looking down at the golfer and you see the landing area. I mean, it looks like a snake, the landing area. And it looks like the landing area is about 10 by 10. It's a very intimidating tee shot. And I love the golf courses that give you a look that I'm not say is going to intimidate these guys, but I think it requires a little more perfection and really honestly a good mindset from the best players in the world you've got the fairways that are not very wide they're about 29 feet in width on average 
You've got the rough that gradually gets worse the farther you get away from the fairway. And I think that's the greatest thing the USGA did probably, what, 15, 20 years ago when they went to the gradual rough. The farther you get away from the fairway, the more you should be penalized. And the farther you get away from the fairway, that means you're going to be taking out a wedge and you're going to be hacking it down the fairway. You should not be rewarded by hitting a shot that far offline and be able to easily reach the green. You've got, I think, the greens in really good shape right now. I will say this, some of the old-school golf courses, the USGA has lost the greens as they try to make them too firm, too fast. They get a little crispy. Shinnecock Hills years ago came to mind. They lost those greens, and that's just not good for anybody. So in the second round on Friday, in between the morning and the afternoon shifts, they decided to water the greens, which is something the USGA doesn't like doing, but I think they had to. They just don't want to lose these greens. And as I mentioned, some of these old-school golf courses, these greens can get away from you. So this is a beautiful challenge. It is a large golf facility. They've actually changed some of the holes in the rotation from the last time that the U.S. Open was at Brookline in 1988. The 11th hole, the short par 3, was not a part of that championship. It's been added for this year, and it's not an easy 130-yard hole. And I also like this course because there are drivable par 4s, and I love drivable par 4s. Like at Riviera out in California, the 10th hole, I believe, is a drivable par 4, but if you hit it offline, you're going to struggle to make par. That's the sign of a great hole to me. A hole that if you hit the right shot, you can really take advantage. Maybe you can eagle the par four, but if you hit a poor shot, you're going to pay the price and you might make bogey. And I absolutely love that. So I'm a big fan of this golf course outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And you take a look at the leaderboard. Wow, we've got a really interesting leaderboard going into the weekend. Just some of the names near the top. Colin Morikawa, he shot 69 and then 66 yesterday, a 400 par 66, and the 25-year-old from Las Vegas, Nevada, is putting himself in position to win a third major. He's only 25, and if he wins this U.S. Open, he will have won three of the four legs of the Grand Slam. He won the 2020 PGA Championship. He won the Open Championship in 2021, his best finish in the U.S. Open last year at Torrey Pines, a tournament won by John Rahm. Morikawa finished in a tie for fourth, and his best finish at the Masters earlier this year, fifth place. Boy, this guy has a beautiful golf swing, crisp iron shots. When he's got the putter going, he is dangerous. You've got John Rahm, as I mentioned, the defending champion. He did not hit the ball well on Thursday, but figured out a way to post a one under par 69 better on Friday as he carted a three under par 67. And John Rahm is only a shot behind Morikawa as he has a chance to go back to back like Curtis Strange did in 88 and 89. He won at this golf course in 1988. Brooks Kepka won back-to-back U.S. Open championships five, six years ago. So, Rom trying to make some history. Good to see Roy McElroy playing well. 
He was a part of the first-round lead with a 67. And going into the weekend, Rory is right there after shooting 69 on Friday. McElroy, along with Rahm, at four under par. Then you got a guy like Hayden Buckley. There's always a Hayden Buckley. He's from Missouri, and he had to win a five-man playoff just to get into this championship. And Buckley, on Friday, finished his second round with back-to-back birdies. He carded his second consecutive 68. He is at minus four. So it sure looks like we've got a tremendous U.S. Open this weekend ahead of us. The third round coming up today. The fourth round is taking place tomorrow. Later on in the show, I'm going to play back some of the sound from some of the golfers involved in this championship as they were asked a lot of questions about the players leaving the PGA Tour for the Saudi Arabian-backed Live Golf Tour. So we'll hear from some of those golfers on this controversial topic. Phil Mickelson, one of the faces now of the Live Golf Tour. He did not have a good run at the U.S. Open this week. Missed the cut. 78 on Thursday. 8 over par. A 3 over par 73 on Friday. And in a tie for 137th position, Phil Mickelson has never won the U.S. Open, finished as a runner-up seven times. He shot 11 over par over the first two rounds. So looking forward to the U.S. Open this weekend, third-round coverage on NBC. Coming up in a couple of moments, you'll hear from Blackthorn Teaching Pro Matt Harrell, more from the golfers involved in the U.S. Open. And we're going to have a My 5 question of the day, my five favorite golf tournaments. That's how we'll wrap up this week's installment of the Corona Premier Golf Show. My name is Darren Pritchett. Sit back and relax. More to come. You're listening to the Corona Premier Golf Show on your home of the Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. And welcome back to the Corona Premier Golf Show on WSBT Radio, streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and on our free T-Radio app. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Matt Harrell, the teaching pro at Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend, Indiana. When you got into teaching, what were a couple of the things that you really wanted to focus on in teaching the golf swing to people that came to work with you? And it looks like we're still having some difficulties because we do not hear Matt at all right now. Let's see. Matt, can you hear me? Yep, now I can hear Hello? you. Go right ahead. Yes. No, I said my philosophy is basically use your core muscles to swing the club. And then the arms, they just kind of flow with them. You can do that. You tap the energy and you get so much more power than you've ever had. So that's kind of why I teach that way. If you're not tired at the end of the round, you hit it farther than you ever did, and you're a lot more so my partner here, Ricky Anderson, the other teaching instructor, we teach the same way. We have the same method. And he asked me to come aboard once I got back. So it's just going great. It's just been really well. And everybody seems to be pleased with our results. Matt, is it fair to I love to teaching s- because I like seeing people get better. Yeah, absolutely. I hope this isn't a really strange question, but you have your golf swing. What you teach, is it in your golf swing? Well, I try to be, but <laughs> do it. But I mean, you know, it, it, it depends on the day, I guess. Hmm. 
Matt Harrell is our guest, Blackthorn Teaching Pro, as he joins us on WSBT Radio. I read a bio about you and the time you spent out in California teaching a lot of people out there. You even had some celebrities that you taught. Can you name drop at all? Maybe a couple of people that we might be familiar with that you helped teach the game of golf out in California? Well, that's when I was, I was once I, after I turned pro and I injured my wrist by hitting a tree root, I had to do physical therapy for a year. So then I needed a, I needed a job besides teaching. So then I also did a personal assistant. And then that took, ended up taking a lot of my time. So I worked from, I worked for, I worked for Prince and Steven Tyler and Lindsay Lohan and Ariana Grande. And even though I had kids in golf, that's what I did there. But now that I'm back in the golf business full time, that's been the real joy with everything. Back at Blackthorn, in my home, teaching with Randy, and just, you know, enjoying the all right you're kind of cutting out once again here we'll try to keep the the conversation going so i'm just wondering with the u.s open going on this week can you give me a couple of golfers that are active right now that you really enjoy watching swing the golf club week in and week out on the pga tour or whatever tour they're playing on since we have other choices now Right, it has been it has become quite different with the whole uh, live picture. But I mean, I always like watching Rory swing. Swing is so fluid and powerful. You know, I just want him to be able to play as well on Sunday as he does on Thursday. Um, he's always one I keep an eye on. I love John Rahm. Everybody, you know, it's hard to not like him. And then I would say probably my favorite would be Justin Thomas. It's just yeah. athletic ability. You know, generating all the power that you can what you have and that's that's how like his swing and Rory's swing the most yeah when Rory yeah when Rory's swinging the ball or swinging the club on time and he is hitting the ball as fluid as ever he is really really difficult to beat and he's in contention right now for the U.S. Open so Matt as a teaching pro is it any more difficult to teach someone that's left-handed? I know we've all heard the story that Phil Mickelson is right-handed, but he swang, he swings the golf club left-handed because he could stare at his dad and basically do the same thing that he yeah, was doing. Right. So is it more difficult to teach someone that's left-handed? No, not at all. I mean, the, the swing is the same. It's just you're standing on a different ball. Basically, that's it. I think everybody loves to hit the long ball, get out the driver and, and, you know, hit it hard down the fairway. And I've heard a lot of different people, Matt, give different reasonings or different ways of people hitting golf balls. You want to go out and you want to work on your swing. Some people say start with the wedge and just kind of get the flow of your golf swing. Others say start with the driver. I'm just kind of curious what you tell your students to do when they arrive on the driving range. What should be the first club they start hitting? It depends on the
So for the adults, I'd start more with the just, you know, stronger for the swimming. As you progress and get better and more comfortable, then you go to the water club, the longer club, and you keep gradually, you know, getting back up to the driver. But this game is 100 yards and in. If you're good at 400 yards and in, you're going to be a good player. And that's what most people don't focus on that they really should. And that's so exactly. We work on chipping, we work on cutting, everything. From short game, hard yards game, to hang on, you know, bombs with the environment that everybody loves. You read my mind, Matt, because that's what, exactly what I was going to ask you next is the short game. Within 100 yards of the hole, we cost ourselves a lot of strokes. And if you have a really good short game, you can really improve as a golfer rather quickly. I'm wondering, how often does someone come out for a short game lesson, or is that something you steer them toward? Well, I definitely steer everyone towards it because nobody spends as much time on the short game as they should. But that's where you really, like you said, either have a great game or save a bad game that's going on. So, um, you know, a lot of people, have, they actually come out and say, man, I can't chip, you know, with anything. And chipping is one of the easiest parts of the game. If you have problems chipping around the greens or you're selling it or hitting it fat, I mean, usually the way that we teach is, I mean, it solves it in literally 10 minutes. And, you know, if I see someone having struggling, I'll walk over and I'll go, hey, give me three minutes. And then by the time we're done, I'm like, man, this is the easiest I wish I would have done this 10 years ago. Because it's, if you do it right, it's really simple. But the 100 yards and in, that's where, you make it. that's where it all happens. That's where, you know, you either win or lose it. Matt, I'd just like to get your thoughts on something that I think can help, whether you're an average golfer or taking the game serious. I think so many people, Matt, play the game of golf without really having clubs that fit them properly compared to where we were 25 years ago these clubs can be set up to really enhance each golfer i think the days maybe two decades ago where you went to your favorite sporting goods store and you bought the clubs and you just hit them i mean those days are long gone or should i say if you do that you're way behind because i think you're even involved in fitting out at blackthorne you guys can do some really good things to the golf club to set up people to have a better chance to hit the golf ball more uh, i guess solidly no you're absolutely right i mean we we do custom club fitting every single day out here usually i mean so many people are doing it now because they're understanding the benefits of it and they're seeing how fast they improve with it i mean once you have the basics down to swing you know the mechanics down you have to have clubs that fit you i mean clubs Clubs don't fit everybody the same. There's people, you know, from four foot to six, ten. I mean, you know, what we do here is we have the Foresight GC, and that thing, it's amazing. So we fit people with that. We can see everything from their spin rates, their launch angles, to how far they hit it, their carry, all the ball speed, club speed, I mean, everything. And that is really an amazing tool that a lot of people haven't been able to use. Sure, they never used it the last 20 years because it really didn't exist up until the last few it's one of the, I mean, it's, to me, it's the top of the line um, simulator and pulse record. But it just tells you every single thing. It actually shows you what yeah. your club is doing at the moment of impact. And it helps us fit the players and anyone, whether it's, you know, a junior or, like I said, a seasoned pro trying to make it. But close hitting that we do, I mean, we're so busy doing it. It's really, if you're not doing it, you're behind, just like you said. Yeah. I would 100% recommend it because it just makes the game easier. Because you never want to play bad golf with, you know, clubs that aren't helping. 
I mean, if you want to play bad golf, at least you want it to be your fault, not the club, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Matt, I'm just wondering from your experience playing so many different golf courses, what type of challenge do we have here in South Bend with the layout at Blackthorn Golf Club? Well, Blackthorn is, I mean, I've played all over the world, and Blackthorn has still been my absolute favorite course. And I'm not just saying that, I mean it. From the way the maintenance crew keeps it in perfect shape all the time to the layout of the golf course and the design it, it's, it's absolutely a gem of stuff. I mean, it's a gem. I always say it's like the best course in the Midwest, and, and one of them. And it's definitely, I mean, to me, it's my favorite, but it's one of the best courses in the Midwest as well. If you haven't been up to Blackthorn, you really haven't experienced golf the way it is. I mean, we have some great courses right here. We got some great public courses on here. It sets itself apart from everything else. There's nothing that really compares to it. Mm. And it doesn't matter which level you are. Whether you're great or you're trying to be great, Blackthorn is just, it's, they won't regret it. Well, the facility for practice is as good as any in the area. We highly encourage you to head out to Blackthorn and check out the website, website blackthorngolfacademy.com. Matt, good catching up with you once again. We'll see you out at Blackthorn really soon. You too, man. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Matt Harrell, Blackthorn Teaching Pro. Again, com to learn more about what Matt does and get a lesson from Matt. I think you will be highly impressed. Once again, Matt Harrell, Blackthorn Teaching Pro. If you'd like to get in touch with Matt, you can always call Blackthorn. Go to blackthorngolf.com for more information. More of the Corona Premier Golf Show rolls on next from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. And welcome back to the Corona Premier Golf Show on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you on this Saturday morning. We've been discussing the United States Open Golf Championship in Brookline, Massachusetts throughout the program. Now let's take a step back because before this tournament started, you had all the press conferences for several days involving the best players in the world getting in front of the media, supposedly to talk about what was in front of them at the country club in Brookline, Massachusetts. What was it going to take to win our national championship? Now, there was some of that, but unfortunately, I think for the USGA and everybody involved, including us, the fans, the focus was more on the media wanting to get more insight from the players in attendance about players leaving the PGA Tour to join the Saudi-backed Live Tour, which had its first event last weekend in London with Charles Swartzel winning a $4 million prize. It's a 54-hole event. They go shotgun format. So it's not what we're used to seeing with a regular PGA Tour event. We have seen some of the world's best golfers decide to jump ship and go play on the Live Golf Tour. Phil Mickelson Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau. You had Louis Oosthuizen make the jump, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia. All told, there are 15 players in this week's U.S. Open 
that are members of the Live Golf Tour. Now, they are allowed to play in this golf tournament. The USGA last week made an announcement that because the rules have been in place, all individuals who qualified for this championship would be allowed to play in the U.S. Open at Brookline. So all of those players that had said goodbye to the PGA Tour and took colossal amounts of money to join the Live Golf Tour, they are allowed to play this week at Brookline. And because of that, every golfer that arrived at the podium to discuss this golf tournament with the media was flooded with questions in regard to the Live Golf Tour and their opinions on players leaving the PGA Tour for this brand new tour. One of the individuals that has been very outspoken in regard to these players leaving the PGA Tour for this other tour, Roy McElroy, who last weekend defended his championship at the Canadian Open and once again going after a major at the U.S. Open. Friendships aside, is, is there any part of you as a player that looks at those joining as not so much surrendering, but but almost recognizing they're not going to be as competitive or can't be as competitive, and do you lose respect for that? Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, I, 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 I understand. I, um, yes, because a lot of these guys are, you know, in their late 40s or, you know, in Phil's case, you know, early 50s. And, yeah, I think everyone in this room, and they would say to, say to you, themselves that their best days are are behind them um and that's why I, I don't understand for the guys that are a similar age to me going because i would like to believe that my best day, <clears throat> my best days are still ahead of me and i think theirs are too uh so that's where it feels like you're taking the easy way out the most high profile player to take the money on the Live Golf Tour, six-time major champion Phil Mickelson. He had not played on the PGA Tour since January. He was a part of the Live Golf Tour in London last weekend and did not play well. He's eligible to play in the U.S. Open thanks to his PGA Championship victory last summer in South Carolina. Phil met the media, and unlike the normal Phil who would talk about anything, he was very guarded this week. I know that many of you have uh, strong, well, many people have strong opinions, emotions about my choice to uh, go forward with Live Golf, and um, I understand and I respect that. I'm incredibly grateful for the PGA Tour and for the many opportunities that it has provided me uh, through the years. Um, but I am excited about this new opportunity as well. I'm excited about being here in Boston at uh, the Country Club. It's one of the five founding members of this uh, of the USGA. It's uh, got incredible rich history going back to France as we met. It has provided me one of the most memorable moments of my career, the 99 Ryder Cup and the comeback that we had. And the fans here are some of the best in the world and they provide an atmosphere that is second to none for all sports, and golf is fortunate to be back, and I'm excited to, back, uh, to be back here and, and participate in this uh, incredible championship that has eluded me for my whole career. I know that many... Now, a player like Dustin Johnson, who left the PGA Tour for the Live Golf Tour, 
He's a player in his prime, unlike Phil, whose best days are behind him. Johnson, you would think, still has a lot of good golf ahead of him, including the chance to win more majors and to be a vocal point of the Ryder Cup and President Cup teams for the United States. But joining the Live Golf Tour, DJ and anybody else is not eligible to play on the Ryder Cup or President's Cup teams. That's part of the price of leaving the PGA Tour. One guy that will be front and center on those teams is one of the best players in the world, American Justin Thomas, who nearly won the Canadian Open last weekend, falling short to Roy McIlroy. He understands the decision being made by some of the players to take the money, but also he's disappointed. Can you give us your thoughts on what's going on with the Live League and the players who are now uh, mm -hmm. being announced to go over as well? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bummer. I mean... I think a lot of us are, I don't know if annoyed or tired is the right way. I mean, it's its just one of those things. Um, I mean, I've thought a lot about it, and it's like, look, like people are entitled to choose as they wish. You know, it's like I don't dislike DJ now. I don't think he's a bad dude. I don't, I'm not going to treat him any differently. It's like he's entitled to choose as he wish, and I think that the day and age that we live in now, it's just so negative that, I mean, you see it in everything, you know, sport, politics, whatever it is. It's like if you disagree with someone, you just feel that you're entitled to, like, hate them and talk bad about them and just bash their decision when everybody's entitled to their own opinion. You know what I mean? It doesn't, It doesn't. like I said, doesn't make him a bad person. Now, I'm, I'm disappointed, and I wish that he and others wouldn't have done it, but that's their decision, you know. Uh, I've said it all along. It's like guys can do as they wish. If they want to go, they can go. If they want to stay, they can stay selfishly. I think and I know that the PGA Tour is the, is the best place to play in the world. And, um, you know, it's just a, the, the decision is theirs. And uh, it is what it is, but I just I wish that it would take away or I wish it wouldn't be taking away from the great storylines and things that are going on on a tour that's been around for a very long time and, can, and is in the, one of the best places it's ever been. And, um, it, you know, it's just a bummer that those guys won't be a part of it. Then there's Brooks Kepka, who has won four major championships. He's won a pair of U.S. Open titles in 2017 and 2018. He also won back-to-back -back PGA championships in 2018 and 2019. Kepka has been bold enough to say he feels like he's got a chance to catch Tiger Woods with the number of majors that he has won. Now, Kepka can be a little hit and miss with the media sometimes, He'll want to talk other times. He gets a little almost grumpy toward the media. Well, Kepka was a part of the group of players who met the media before this week's U.S. Open, and you could tell right away Kepka was not in the mood to talk about the Live Golf Tour. In fact, he felt like the media was being disrespectful to our national championship by asking all the questions about this other tour. Why have you decided to stay on the PGA Tour, and is that a permanent decision? I mean, there's been no other option to this point, so uh, where else are you going to go? Live. I mean, uh, as of last week, that's it. I wasn't playing last week, so I'm here. I'm here at the U.S. Open. I'm ready to play U.S. Open, So, and I think, I think it kind of sucks, too. Y'all are throwing this black cloud over the U.S. Open. Is there a figure at which you would swap tours? Does that exist? Is it as simple as that? I haven't given it that much. I mean, I haven't given it that much thought. Really? I, I, I mean, I was, I don't understand. I'm trying to focus on the U.S. Open, man. 
Like, I legitimately don't get it. I'm tired of the conversations. I'm tired of all this stuff. Y'all are throwing a black cloud on the U.S. Open. I think that sucks. I actually do feel bad for him for once. Right. Because it's, I mean, it's a shitty situation. We're here to play, and you're talking about some event that happened last week. Well, there's events going to be going on now for the next foreseeable future. I know, but you can't drive a car looking in the rearview mirror, can you? And I kind of agree with Brooks, actually. There was just a lot of talk about this other tour when we have a chance to talk this week about a wonderful old-style golf course at the Country Club in Brookline, one of the founding member courses of the United States Golf Association, hosting a U.S. Open for the first time since 1988. And it is a golf course that has a lot of blind shots, small greens, thick rough, it's exactly what you would expect from a USGA, U.S. Open. Unfortunately, the PGA Tour is not going to look the same for some time, who knows how long, with a lot of really good players no longer playing on the PGA Tour. The great news is if you're someone that follows the PGA Tour, you're still going to see great players every week on tour. You're still going to see some of those landmark golf tournaments that we expect to see every year. Jack Nicholas's near Columbus, the Memorial, Arnold Palmer's tournament at Bay Hill, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, on and on and on. Tournaments we expect to see every year that are prestigious. Those are going to take place as always. There is no doubt the depth of the PGA Tour and some name recognition has taken a hit with the departure of some of these players. But the PGA Tour, as it is right now, is in good shape. We'll see if this changes some of the things on the PGA Tour that has some players upset what those are. We're not quite sure at this particular time, but hopefully in a year, two years, however long it takes, we can get all the best players back on one tour once again because, honestly, everybody wins in that situation. And for these guys, they can say they're growing the game of golf by leaving the PGA Tour for the Live Golf Tour. Come on. This is a money grab. And just say it. It's okay. It's all right. We'll understand. They're grabbing the money. They're taking a huge amount of money to play on this tour. Maybe they're banking on someday this tour going away and they'll be welcome back to the PGA Tour. Who knows if that will happen. This is the Corona Premier Golf Show on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And welcome back to the Corona Premier Golf Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A good Saturday morning to you. I'm Darren Pritchett. We're going to wrap up today's Corona Premier Golf Show by featuring a segment that you normally hear on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, a program that I host each weeknight from 5 to 7 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, we come up with one question and I provide you five answers. So for today's Corona Premier Golf Show, we have this question since the U.S. Open is taking place this weekend. What are my five favorite golf tournaments? And I'm really looking for the more high-end tournaments. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. 
coming in at number five is kind of that old standard golf tournament, the Open Championship or the British Open Championship. I appreciate that style of golf. It was designed to keep the ball on the ground because of the high winds that you get in England, Northern Ireland, etc. So I understand that. The ball rolls a long way. You've got some of those open venues that have greens big enough where there are actually two holes on one green. So there's a lot of cool things about the Open Championship, but I think because there are so many golfers that get into that tournament that I'm not familiar with, and I follow the European Tour, but just like the U.S. Open, there are qualifiers that we're not going to be familiar with. It's just never been really one of my favorite of the majors. It's unique. It's different. I think the pot bunkers are kind of cool. The high heather. And we have some of that at Blackthorn. That can be fun from time to time. But I've got the Open Championship coming in at number five. Four. I love the Players' Championship because the last three holes provide so much drama. First off, from friends of mine who have played TPC Sawgrass down in Florida, that the fairways are much smaller than they look on television. There's a lot of tree-lined tee shots, and it's a whole lot tighter than it looks on television. So it is more of a challenging golf course. I like the setup with the way this golf tournament concludes. You've got 16 the par five, which is reachable in two, but you've got water all the way down the right side of that fairway, all the way around the green, providing some really good drama. You can make an eagle three there, but just as easily, you can put up a double bogey seven as that water comes into play. Then there's that one tree down the left side that can provide some issues too for the golfers. Then you got 17, one of the most famous par threes in the world, the Island Green. Nine iron, wedge shot, but it provides so much drama. The pin, usually on Sunday, is to the right where there's not not a whole lot of real estate for those guys to fire at. And there are a lot of quick putts on that side of the green. So you talk about drama. 17 always brings that. And then 18 is a very difficult Par four with water all the way down from tee to the green. It's kind of like 18 at Pebble Beach in a way, in its own way. I know there's a big difference in the view of the two holes or the scenery, but that is a very, very difficult finishing hole. Many times that ball going from right to left into the green will skip off the green into the water. There's not much room between the green and the water at Sawgrass. So I just think the final three holes of that tournament is great. It's one of the best fields of the year, too. You get most of the top players in the World Golf Rankings at the Players' Championship, and it is considered the fifth major. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Going through our My 5 question of the day, my five favorite golf tournaments in honor of the U.S. Open taking place right now up in Massachusetts. Number three. I'm going to go with the PGA Championship because normally it is the best field of the four majors. Now, you get those handful of PGA professionals that qualify for the tournament that is put on by the PGA of America, and I think that's a really nice touch. The low PGA pro gets a nice trophy for a job well done. 
But the PGA Championship is the most like a PGA Tour event in terms of the setup of the golf course. It is not as strict as the U.S. Open, but there are still challenges with this PGA Championship. Again, it's always a great field, and normally you'll see the cream rise to the top. For example, Justin Thomas, one of the best players in the world right now, just won his second PGA Championship just about a month ago. And I think the PGA Championship is held in really good venues as well. Number two. Number two is the United States Open Golf Championship, our national championship. Now, for years, John Foster, Tim Firestone co-hosted this show with me. And there was a time a few years ago I was frustrated with the USGA, and they got tired of me talking about it. But I think the USGA went away from what has been successful. The old-school-type golf courses hosting the U.S. Open. They went to Whistling Straits and some other places, and I just didn't feel like they were U.S. Opens. But now, recently, we're kind of getting back to more traditional U.S. Open venues. Torrey Pines is a great place for U.S. Open. Of course, Pebble Beach, outstanding. Colonial. And look what we have this week. You've got the U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. This is one of the founding golf courses for the USGA. This is the 17th time the Country Club has hosted a USGA event. First time it's hosted the U.S. Open since 1988, and it's old-school architecture. This golf course was built when you didn't bring in a bulldozer and move around a lot of dirt. They just started with six holes at the Country Club. Eventually, they expanded to 18. There was like a little racetrack around two of the holes when they initially got started. And the first USGA championship was held before we got to 1900 at the Country Club. There's just a lot of blind shots, which I think is a great challenge for the world's best golfers. We know about how tight the fairways are. The gradual rough, which really gets penal the farther you get away from the fairway. And, of course, you've got the greens that are like putting on ice. It is such a beautiful challenge for the world's best players. I don't mind seeing par protected, par being a good score. We have a lot of PGA Tour events where 20 under par will win it, and that's exciting. But once a year, mentally and physically bring out the best in the world's best golfers. To see these guys grind for par is extremely enjoyable. I think the tests have been fair recently in terms of USGA setup of US Opens, and now that they've gotten back to more traditional golf courses, this championship is shining once again. I'm glad they let the Live Golf Tour players in, even though it brought in a lot of extra drama this week. I want the best field possible, and we got a pretty good field this week for the U.S. Open. So I just absolutely love the challenge, the mental and physical grind of the U.S. Open. It's always a special week. Number one. And my favorite golf tournament, probably a majority of the people listening to this program have the same number one. It is the Masters at Augusta National in Augusta, Georgia. The great thing about this golf tournament, it is in the same place every year, like the Players' Championship. While the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship move around, you've got the Open Championship rotation. Each and every year, when we get to April, we know what to expect at Augusta National. 
It's like we all play the golf course. We know where to hit it on the fairways. We know what's going to happen on the greens. We understand turning the corner on the back nine on Sunday that there are going to be challenges ahead, that short little par three twelfth over the water, which can be dangerous. You've got the par fives where you can make eagle 13 and 15. You've got 18 where you have to hit it up the hill off the tee, avoid the bunkers, and hit it into normally that pin placement that allows you to hit it to the middle of the green and the ball feeds back to the pin in the front. We just know what to expect. It's a special place. Obviously, 99.999% of the people who enjoy golf We'll never play golf at this private golf club, but the Masters is unique. It is special. It's in the same place every year. We know all the shots, and it's just as good as it gets. And that's going to do it for the Corona Premier Golf Show for this week on Sports Radio 960 WSPT. I hope you have the chance to get out and play some golf, maybe hit some balls, putt around a little bit, and... We'll be back with you soon for more of the Corona Premier Golf Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Are you a business owner worried about the safety of your sensitive data? Look no further than Midwest Data Depot, your local secure off-site backup storage solution. Visit MidwestDataDepot.com.